holiness, the false and the true. Holiness, the great desideratum. By H. A. Ironside. Being saved myself, the first great desire that sprang up in my heart was an intense longing to lead others to the one who had made my peace with God. At the time of which I write, the Salvation Army was in the zenith of its energy as an organization devoted to going out after the lost. It had not yet become popular, a society to be patronized by the world and used as a medium for philanthropic work. Its officers and soldiers seemed to have but one aim and object, to lead the weary and despairing to the Savior's feet. I had often attended its services, and in fact had frequently, though but a child, given a testimony by quoting scripture and urging sinners to trust Christ, even while I was in the dark myself. Naturally therefore, when the knowledge of salvation was mine, I went at the first opportunity, the night after my conversion, to an army street meeting, and there spoke for the first time, in the open air, of the grace of God so newly revealed to my soul. I suppose, because I was but a lad of fourteen and fairly familiar with the Bible, and also somewhat forward unduly so, I have little doubt I was at once cordially welcomed among them, and soon became known as the boy preacher, a title which, I fear, ministered more to the pride of my heart than I had any idea of at the time. For, in fact, in my newfound joy I had no conception that I still carried about with me a nature as sinful and vile as existed in the breast of the greatest evildoer in the world. I knew something of Christ and his love, I knew little or nothing of myself and the deceitfulness of my own heart. As nearly as I can now recollect, I was in the enjoyment of the knowledge of God's salvation about a month when, in some dispute with my brother, who was younger than I, my temper suddenly escaped control, and in an angry passion I struck and felled him to the ground. Horror immediately filled my soul. I needed not his sarcastic taunt, well, you are a nice Christian. You'd better go down to the army and tell what a saint you've become. To send me to my room in anguish of heart to confess my sin to God in shame and bitter sorrow, as afterwards frankly to my brother, who generously forgave me. From this time on mine was an up and down experience, to use a term often heard in testimony meetings. I longed for perfect victory over the lusts and desires of the flesh. Yet I seemed to have more trouble with evil thoughts and unholy propensities than I had ever known before. For a long time I kept these conflicts hidden, and known only to God and to myself. But after some eight or ten months, I became interested in what were called holiness meetings, held weekly in the army hall, and also in a mission I sometimes attended. At these gatherings an experience was spoken of which I felt was just what I needed. It was designated by various terms, the second blessing, sanctification, perfect love, higher life, cleansing from inbred sin, and by other expressions. Substantially, the teaching was this, when converted, God graciously forgives all sins committed up to the time when one repents. But the believer is then placed in a lifelong probation, during which he may at any time forfeit his justification and peace with God if he falls into sin from which he does not at once repent. In order, therefore, to maintain himself in a saved condition, he needs a further work of grace called sanctification. This work has to do with sin the root, as justification had to do with sins the fruit. The steps leading up to this second blessing are, firstly, conviction as to the need of holiness, just as in the beginning there was conviction of the need of salvation, secondly, a full surrender to God, or the laying of every hope, prospect and possession on the altar of consecration, thirdly, to claim in faith the incoming of the Holy Spirit as a refining fire to burn out all inbred sin, thus destroying in toto every lust and passion, leaving the soul perfect in love and as pure as unfallen. Adam
This wonderful blessing received, great watchfulness is required lest, as the serpent beguiled Eve, he deceived the sanctified soul, and thus introduce again the same kind of an evil principle which called for such drastic action before. Such was the teaching, and coupled with it were heartfelt testimonies of experiences so remarkable that I could not doubt their genuineness, nor that what others seemed to enjoy was likewise for me if I would fulfill the conditions. One aged lady told how for forty years she had been kept from sin in thought, word, and deed. Her heart, she declared, was no longer deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, but was as holy as the courts of heaven, since the blood of Christ had washed away the last remains of inbred sin. Others spoke in a similar way, though their experiences were much briefer. Bad tempers had been rooted out when a full surrender was made. Evil propensities and unholy appetites had been instantly destroyed when holiness was claimed by faith. Eagerly I began to seek this precious boon of holiness in the flesh. Earnestly I prayed for this Adamic sinlessness. I asked God to reveal to me every unholy thing, that I might truly surrender all to Him. I gave up friends, pursuits, pleasures, everything I could think of that might hinder the incoming of the Holy Ghost and the consequ consequent blessing. I was a veritable bookworm, an intense love for literature possessing me from childhood, but in my ignorant desire I put away all books of pleasurable or instructive character, and promised God to read only the Bible and holiness writings if He would only give me the blessing. I did not, however, obtain what I sought, though I prayed zealously for weeks. At last, one Saturday night, I was now away from home, living with a friend, a member of the army, I determined to go out into the country and wait on God, not returning till I had received the blessing of perfect love. I took a train at eleven o'clock, and went to a lonely station twelve miles from Los Angeles. There I alighted, and, leaving the highway, descended into an empty arroyo, or watercourse. Falling on my knees beneath a sycamore tree, I prayed in an agony for hours, beseeching God to show me anything that hindered my reception of the blessing. Various matters of too private and sacred a nature to be here related came to my mind. I struggled against conviction, but finally ended by crying, Lord, I give up all, everything, every person, every enjoyment, that would hinder my living alone for Thee. Now give me, I pray Thee, the blessing. As I look back, I believe I was fully surrendered to the will of God at that moment, so far as I understood it. But my brain and nerves were unstrung by the long midnight vigil and the intense anxiety of previous months, and I fell almost fainting to the ground. Then a holy ecstasy seemed to thrill all my being. This I thought was the coming into my heart of the Comforter. I cried out in confidence, Lord, I believe Thou dost come in. Thou dost cleanse and purify me from all sin. I claim it now. The work is done. I am sanctified by thy blood. Thou dost make me holy. I believe, I believe. I was unspeakably happy. I felt that all my struggles were ended. With a heart filled with praise, I rose from the ground and began to sing aloud. Consulting my watch, I saw it was about half past three in the morning. I felt I must hasten to town so as to be in time for the seven o'clock prayer meeting, there to testify to my experience. Fatigued as I was by being up all night, yet so light was my heart I scarcely noticed the long miles back, but hastened to the city, arriving just as the meeting was beginning, buoyed up by my newfound experience. All were rejoiced as I told what great things I believed God had done for me. Every meeting that day added to my gladness. I was literally intoxicated with joyous emotions. My troubles were all ended now.
the wilderness was past, and I was in Canaan, feeding on the old corn of the land. Nevermore should I be troubled by inward drawings toward sin. My heart was pure. I had reached the desirable state of full sanctification. With no foe within, I could direct all my energies toward vanquishing the enemies without. This was what I thought. Alas, how little did I know myself, much less the mind of God.